Next on BYU Sports Nation, taking care of business. Can BYU football win out in the final five regular season games? Steve Young joins us to discuss BYU quarterbacks and Cougars in the NFL. Plus, fresh off his first 100-yard receiving game, BYU junior tight end Matt Bushman keeping it a hundy in Studio B. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live on your television screens and on your radio dials and on all of your digital platforms. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, October 24th, wherever and however you're connected. Nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with court-storming specialist, Jerem Jordan. Listen, last night we had a great display of practice and execution. So at Midnight Madness, which did go to midnight, here's Mark Pope. You're seeing on BYU TV. I'll describe it for BYU Radio. They practiced with all the students. The Rock was there. Great showing. How to storm the court. Confetti, music. The players are in there going crazy. You see TJ Haas and Dalton Nixon and Zach Selyus. That was awesome. Yes. That was so good. And, and Mark Pope said, to win a championship, we got to practice. To be a champion. So we figured we might try it here in Studio B, our own stort, uh, court storming or a studio, studio storming. storming. Uh, so uh, we're going to do this in three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, see you later, no, That was awesome. All right, back to work. Back to work. <laughs> Championship in Studio hey, B. Okay, you know how we shoot confetti into the rafters? At the end of every football countdown. We, we must have, this could be five years old. This could, I, I kid you not, two pieces just came down. Like the noise. The energy. Shot air up into the roof, <laughs> and boom, it came down. I kid you not, this is probably highly unhealthy, this piece of confetti. We have yeah, a garbage can right, away right yeah. now. And go wash your hands. By the way, I did want to mention, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm wearing the UT shirt from the kid in Florida who was bullied at school for making a handwritten kind of wear Tennessee your school t-shirt. Yeah. t-shirt. Love the story. Uh, wanted to support it. Bought a shirt. Uh, very cool story. Got to support. So, oh, man. Here we are. Anti-bullying yeah. at its it, Bullying's the worst. At its Bullying's worst. the worst. Okay. Great Love the stuff. story. Oh, wow. What energy in studio being like never before. That was the greatest open we've ever done. That was fantastic. Yeah, shout out Can to we all do it again? the help involved. Yeah. Oh, they, oh, they, they had, had to go, go back. back to work? They had to go back to work. They, they, they had to go back to work. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, we've got a few guests today that have helped cause a few field stormings of their own. Notably, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Super Bowl champion, BYU legend Steve Young. What okay. does he think of the current BYU quarterback situation? And can anyone beat Kyle Van Noy and the Patriots in the NFL? BYU junior tight end Matt Bushman, fresh off his best game as a BYU Cougar. What changed from USF to Boise State, plus the top five wins of the Kalani Satake era? Loaded show, but first, today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. And it starts off with some well wishes For Dave Rose, the former BYU basketball head coach, suffered a heart attack on Tuesday morning. His wife, Cheryl, posted an update on her Instagram account last night saying doctors called it a severe and major heart attack. Here's the good news. Coach Rose is currently recovering, and according to his former assistant, Tim Lacombe, looks great right now, up on his feet. We love you, Coach. Wishing you a full 
and speedy recovery. That's a serious situation that uh, came out last night, uh, right via Cheryl, that that happened. So we're glad the coach is okay. That's a scary situation. Number four women's soccer beat Portland 2-0 in the City of Roses. Elise Flake scored the game-winning goal in the 20th minute, her 14th goal of the season, equaling her total last year. 34th career goal, 8th most in Cougar history. BYU hosts San Diego on BYU TV Saturday. 12th-ranked BYU women's volleyball working for a bounce-back victory in California when they take on Loyola Marymount Los Angeles tonight. The Cougars have won 15 of the last 17 against the Lions. Watch the game live on the WCC Network starting at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. This is the this was BYU's first loss last year, and the only loss in WCC play was at LMU. So BYU certainly on high alert going into this match. Number five men's golf and playing off a loss. Number five men's golf took second at Pacific, uh, the Invitational, shooting two under. Brett Rasmussen finished in fourth place at eight under, while the nation's top-ranked golfer coming into the week, Peter Quest for perfection, tied for tenth and had three eagles in the tournament. You know, three eagles in a tournament. (laughs) You and I saw an eagle from Ben Bagley playing. Have you shot an eagle before? I have scored an eagle before. Nice. A couple, but they are rare. Were they bald? (laughs) You just said, have you shot an eagle? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I have not shot. That's illegal. It's illegal to shoot an eagle. Scored an eagle in golf, though. (laughs) In the golf, in the golfing. You can't shoot an eagle. That's, yep, that's illegal. <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Seven games down, five to go for BYU football. The Cougars opened the back half of the 2019 season with their biggest win of the season, and maybe the biggest in the Kalani Sitake era discussion forthcoming, knocking off a top 15 unbeaten team at home in late October. But what happens next? Can BYU take care of business? Can the Cougars gulp, win out? Or, Jerem, do you expect BYU to lose a game they shouldn't in the Final Five? I think there's a couple games that BYU could lose and it makes sense, right? If BYU lost to Utah State and San Diego State, it's like, okay, those were... Those were equally matched games. Yeah, BYU won't BYU. be favored in either of those road games. Right. So, um, no, I think BYU will beat Idaho State and UMass and Liberty. Liberty's kind of sneaky, by the way. Five and two, nine picks this year. They pass for 276 a game, 14 yards of completion, top 10 in red zone defense, 20th, 20th in turnover margin. So they're sneaky. They haven't played uh, a tough schedule. But no, I, I expect BYU to compete and probably go four and one in the final five. I think BYU's going to finish seven and five in the regular season and recover after losing to Toledo and USF. Utah State's four and two, three and zero in league. They're good under Gary Anderson. They're really good under Gary Anderson. Who's back? SDSU, really tough defense. Haven't played a particularly tough schedule, but winning's what matters, right? Six and one, three and one in league. Only lost two Utah State, by the way. So, no, I don't necessarily believe that BYU will lose one of those uh, what we've called gimme threes. Although Liberty is looking a little more interesting. BYU will win all three of the games they'll be favored in: Liberty, Idaho State, UMass. Win, win, win. That said, after Boise State, the expectation has once again shifted to, well, if BYU can beat the best team in the Mountain West, why couldn't they beat the second and third best teams in that conference? The road element makes it more of a challenge for sure, but BYU will win at least one of the final two games against Mountain West competition. I expect 4-1. and 5-0 and is a real possibility if BYU can sure. go to Logan and snap that two-game losing streak to their rivals in Cache Valley. So beating Utah State, if you go Boise State, Utah State, win-win back-to-back, 
Why not nice. run the table at that point? The oh, confidence yeah, yeah. is uber high. Like yes. BYU is looking at a real possibility of finishing the regular season eight and four. That'd be incredible yeah. given the losses. Yeah, that's right, Karan. It's almost basketball season. I expect it. seven and five, which is what I called for at the beginning of the season, just because and of I the called eight and, and four. Flows. So I need I need five and zero. Oh. It might happen. It might happen. McWorld. It could happen. BYU beats Utah State. Watch out. I don't, yeah, I don't expect BYU to show up like UCF or USF, excuse me, again. I just, I just think that was the lowest point in the whole season. I think BYU learned some things. I think, unfortunately, it took that for BYU to dial it in and beat Boise State. Maybe not, unfortunately. Maybe it was a good thing. I never think it's a good thing to lose to a team you shouldn't beat, but if that means you get a big win, yes. Like, is anyone complaining about the Cal loss last year anymore because BYU beat Wisconsin? No. At the end of the season, if BYU wins eight games, we're going to go, you know what? If that was the cost, if that was the cost for, for – and in your life, you can identify certain moments like this, right? You know what? This was really hard, but it was worth it because then I learned this and did this later. And I probably wouldn't have if I didn't have that thing. Adversity that, shapes us. That thing was in a USF loss. I wish that BYU didn't lose those games and they could figure it out and have urgency and motivation and whatever. Everyone works differently. But BYB Boise State, that was an awesome win. Was it one of the top five in the Satake era? We're going to explain and discuss and show you if it made it uh, in the top five coming up later in the show. That was a big win for BYU. And I think for this coaching staff, Kalani Satake is fighting for a contract renewal. And that game, perhaps, is the game that changes everything. We'll see. Uh, you win the final five and go eight and four, you could pretty much take that contract renewal to the bank. <laughs> if, if they change everything, like that, that's my opinion, of course, yeah. but wow, eight and four would be incredible. Topic two, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic posted a mailbag yesterday, and in it mentioned BYU. Here we go. I understand why BYU prefers independence to being in the Mountain West, much like Notre Dame's commitment to its national fan base, the exposure from BYU's ESPN deal, and the flexibility of its schedule allows the religious-based school to engage with LDS members far from Utah. Okay, Stu. But from a purely football standpoint, it's not ideal. You see a lot of BYU on TV early in the season when it's playing USC and Tennessee. But as soon as the Cougars lose a couple of games, they fall off the grid. The Boise State game was a notable exception. Rather than competing for a conference championship and possibly a New Year's Six Bowl, their season ends anticlimactically and with a meh November schedule followed by whatever leftover bowl has an opening. If BYU was in the Mountain West, it could still play high-profile non-conference games as Power 5 teams gladly schedule home and homes with the Cougars. They'd probably be on ABC, ESPN a couple of weeks less, but every game would be nationally televised somewhere. And who's to say even this team, which even shorthanded, showed it can beat arguably the Mountain West's best team, wouldn't still be in the hunt for a trophy. End quote. Spencer, is Stuart Mandel wrong? Stuart Mandel's logic and takes here are mostly fair. He just explained the entire 2018 BYU season, by the way. Last year, beating Wisconsin, beating Arizona, then you lose a couple of games. And BYU had a meh November schedule. Didn't he explain 2019? Well, not yeah. necessarily. I mean, being lost in the ethos of independence once you lose three games is not fun or competitive as it is being in a conference. The conference title battle will always win out. That will always be more interesting and more intriguing. He did say BYU has an irrelevant November schedule, which I don't agree with this year. BYU plays at Utah State November 2nd. Then they could potentially match up against a ranked San Diego State team on the final Saturday in November. That's different than last year. Those are unranked group of five teams. So I, I see what he's saying. I, 
Yeah. I get it. I felt like it was more about the 2018 than it is about potentially what could be at the end of 2019. If I feel Diego like he's State talking about ranked, this year. If San Diego right? State is ranked, then... Well, then, then it will become a more relevant and There's game. some relevance in November, and I think playing Utah State in November is also a relevant Not to a national game. game. Yeah. Okay? But, so, his points are fair. BYU is so close, however, to a potential major shift in the college football landscape. It doesn't make sense to move right now. It's, that's like waiting in the grocery store in the express lane, and you get all the way almost to the front, and then you peer out of the right side of your eye, and you're like, oh, maybe that line over there is a little bit shorter. And then you get out of that line and only to find out that the line you just went to get into is really slow behind this one super long customer, and now the express line is moving fast. We don't know that the check stand's open or that, they're, or that the machine's on. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> like, yes. Like, we don't but know that. The, the point is, it's, it doesn't make sense. BYU's waited this long. There's going to be a major shift on the college football landscape, we think, could be. in 2023, 2024, because of a couple of reasons. The TV contract being renegotiated with uh, most of the Power Five conferences, and then the equal pay-for-play movement that is happening in California and apparently is going to happen in Florida and some other states. How will that paying amateur athletes situation affect conference shakeup? It, it does BYU no good to move now. Like, why, why move now so you can play for two years and, or three years in the Mountain West and hope to be the best of G5, but then you're locked in and you got to pay a bunch of fines to get out of games you've already scheduled as an independent? It, just wait it out till 2024, and then if it doesn't happen, Power 5 invite doesn't happen, then go to a G5. Then reacclimate with a Group of Five conference. It's just the timing of it all is not right. His takes are fair, but the timing is not right for BYU to move now. I don't think he's saying move. He's just saying, well, what if, right? Um, I think it depends on what you value. What do you value? Do you value on the field performance and accomplishment? Or do you value things off the field? I think currently BYU values things more off the field than on right now. Because why is BYU independent? It's to play on ESPN. It's to have that connection, to have better games, a better schedule, to have more money, and they do, than any other group of five conference. BYU gets all its bowl money, all of its TV money, right? It's a nice situation. If BYU can continue to perform well on the field. Now, when BYU went Indy, they had won 10-plus games and finished ranked in four of the previous five years. Since then, BYU has done that one time in eight, now nine seasons. I, th- I think it just matters about what you care about the most. I care a lot about BYU's performance on the field. I think BYU Athletics does too. I, ju- I just think BYU's shown that it's, these schedules are, are too tough to get to 10-plus wins at this point. Until BYU does it consistently, it's too tough, right? So off the field, money, exposure, cater to the fan base. That's all been fun. I think we can all agree it's been awesome to see BYU travel, win some big games, unfortunately lose some big games and some other games, not really get over that 10-win hump. But I, it would be fun, right, to compete for a conference championship, to have a shot at a New Year's Six. And beating Boise State kind of reemphasizes that idea of, guess what? BYU would be a competitive team and perhaps win occasionally a group of five conference championship. Do you want that or not? I think we all want something better than the Mountain West. And uh, that's the ex-girlfriend that we don't want to, like, acknowledge, right? But it, AAC, Mountain West, I'm with you. Wait until – he's not saying move, and nor am I. But I think independence can work if BYU is scheduled a little more uh, fairly to what it does, which is like three or four power fives, not four in a row or five plus or that kind of thing. BYU needs to beat Toledo and USF before they can seriously consider winning a 
group of five conference and being the best G5 team. Well, I disagree because BYU would not play three or four power fives in a row at the beginning of the season. No, not, no, that was exactly, well, you know that's what probably I mean? exactly what would happen if they were in a G5. They, they'd load up the front schedule and then they'd get into their conference. No, they do what they did before, which is play like one or two power fives in an FCS team. And, uh, you know, one would be Utah. Utah State would be in league, right? You'd play an FCS team, maybe one over power five. You would not get beat up. And and if you you could uh, go full Mountain West later, I think BYU'd be in a better position to win ten plus games if they were in a Mountain West. I'm not saying go to a Mountain West conference. I'm just saying let's just look at what it could be like. Just wait it out. Question of the day: What is the best win in the Kalani Satake era of BYU football, and why? He's roughly three and a half seasons in. This is Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. At 86WICoog on Twitter. I hate to say it, but it was my Wisconsin Badgers. BYU on the road. 49 straight Wisconsin wins at home versus non-conference opponents. And BYU beat the Badgers at their own game. Wisconsin was out-physicaled and out-rushed. Coming up, Matt Bushman is in studio. Fresh off his first 100-yard and 2-TD performance. And next, BYU legend, Super Bowl champion, Pro Football Hall of Famer Steve Young. Which quarterback would he start against Utah State? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Elise Flake and the number four and still unbeaten BYU women's soccer team host San Diego Saturday, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. As of now, BYU is currently the highest scoring team in all the land. 52 goals on the season. Very nice. Yes. with it's a fun soccer, man. Two nothing win over Portland last night. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Our Voice of the Nation question today, what's the best win or biggest win in the Kalani Sitake era? April Chessman Kerstich answers on Facebook. My vote is Boise State. Not only did BYU beat a rival, but a ranked one with BYU's third-string quarterback. Kalani helped the Cougars and his job rise from the ashes. Now, I think that BYU can win these games. BYU's proven that they're good for 40%-ish, historically against Power Fives. And then Boise State, it's been a lower percent, right? It's 3 out of 10, uh, 30%. These are tough games. There's no question that BYU can win these games. They don't just, but they don't win enough to maintain a fully relevant season. BYU stacked too many, too too much weight on the bar to get enough reps to be to matter in the weight room, if you will. I'm I'm pro play tough games. I just think there's a point where there's too many, and then you become irrelevant. And unfortunately, that's what happened to BYU post uh, USC win. Right, two and one, feeling good last year. Three and one, feeling good. Boom, you play some more tough games, you lose, and the season kind of withers away. And mediocrity of 7-6, and six, we're hoping BYU goes 7-5, and five, maybe 8-4 and four in the regular season. 8 would be good. See, I disagree with that to an extent because had BYU beaten Toledo and USF and then beaten Boise State, they'd have two losses, but they wouldn't be irrelevant. They'd be 5-2 and two and on the cusp of being I never, ranked. I never said 5-2 and two would be irrelevant. I, I, because BYU lost those games, they become irrelevant. You lose to Washington, you're beat up. You're just beat up. And then, it's, is it a coincidence that BYU lost to Toledo and USF, given that they played four in a row? Like, I, I think that's part of the deal is BYU's not deep enough to weather that storm. So why schedule four power fives in a row? BYU can win, like, two of the first three, three of the first four. That's not the issue. It's after that. Then what? 
Well, the, the unfortunate part is BYU's quarterback gets injured at the end of the Toledo game. And I don't, that, that has nothing to do with him being beat up in the first four games. That's just a freak accident. But, but as a tackle. team, they were in a situation where they were tied with Toledo. If BYU doesn't play four power fives in a row, is that I being think they're beat in a better up? Is that situation. being beat up, or is that an indictment on the coaching staff? I think it's all of it, right? Be in a position where you win the game regardless. Listen, if you put the 84 team against this schedule, there's a loss or two in there, right? It, it'd be tough. The best BYU teams didn't have to play these types of schedules. They didn't. They played a couple teams that were tough. Hey, Pitt, number three. That team stunk, right? The 84 team played one team with a winning record. Like, it wasn't a hard schedule. But what did they do? They went and won those games, and that's the bottom line. Winning is everything, right? We, I, Clearly, I, look I, at the Boise State game that BYU I, just pulled off. I don't want to talk about the strength of schedule more than the wins and the losses. I don't. I don't want to talk about the schedule before the season like BYU did something significant. If it's too, you know who had a really hard schedule to start the year? Texas A&M. No one's talking about Texas A&M. They lost the games. Go and go win the games. Just more, mani- more manageable. I think BYU can win some of these games, but if there's too many, then they become irrelevant. We all want relevance. We want BYU to be on ESPN. Top play, like after the USC, Tennessee and USC wins. That was fun, right? That was awesome. We want it all. We can't we, have it we all. We want it all. I know. Yeah, we can't have it all. The reality is you can't, but the dream is you do want it all. Well, it'll keep being a dream and not reality, right? (laughs) You you have to set your... But what if? I think BYU's business model is a little flawed. All right, hashtag BYUS, and if you want to join the conversation, what was the biggest or what is the biggest win in the Kalani Satake era at BYU? Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, friend of the program, NFL Super Bowl champion, and Pro Football Hall of Famer, BYU legend Steve Young. Steve, always nice to catch up. How are you? That was great. Great, great, great. Hey, uh, especially after Good BYU be yeah, beats uh, number 14 Boise State and really stuns the nation. What would you think of BYU's upset of the 14th rank and previously unbeaten Broncos with a third-string quarterback <laughs> last Saturday night? We need something for schizophrenia. We need to uh, figure <laughs> out how to... <laughs> We got to figure that out. I, I you know, it, it's just inexplicable. Uh, and I, I saw something was written maybe on Twitter, you know, before the game. So it, it would be so BYU to go beat the uh, Boise State, and then they won. And they said, "I this one aged well." You know, <laughs> it was so BYU to pull it off. <laughs> I think you guys are talking about some of the foundational issues. And um, the good news, no matter what, is these kind of wins, marquee, no matter what the record is. Do help because our our conference is the conference of ESPN. Um, we've talked about this before on the show, and being this is our conference, we have to uh, perform for them. And these kind of games actually do help, and so it does matter. Uh, uh, and so I think that's an important thing um, to kind of keep keep pace on the contract, and that's really kind of our lifeblood. Now we've got to figure out how we're going to uh, extend. I think uh, Kalani clearly took control of the defense last week. Some of this is Kalani watching him grow up into a more mature head coach. Uh, I'm watching him uh, take more uh, uh, of the reins. Uh, I sense that, and I think that the defense will be better off for it. Uh, what I would suggest for him is that uh, he would be, uh, you know, like Bill Belichick. You, you design defenses. You run defenses. You call defenses. And you find somebody to deal with the offense, and, uh, um, and you don't worry about it. And, uh, and I think that if he, you know, um, 
And I think that's where they are today, to be honest with you. I think that he's taking control of the defense. He's going to call the defenses. And, um, and, uh, and he's telling the offense to, to light it up. Let's, be, let's, let's grasp the history of BYU. Let's hold on to every inch of it. And uh, everyone will expect us to be BYU, which is going to throw it around. And now what – if you think about BYU, and I know you guys have asked me this question, but I'm just going to go into a little solo for you here <laughs> since I don't get a chance. My kids – my brother, my boy's in music theater, Manhattan School of Music, and my other boy doesn't really like football. We don't watch much football. This is my big shot to talk football. So, <laughs> really, you guys, this? You guys, you guys get it. This is a, this is my. You're, I'm on the couch right now. So if you, uh, you know, here, here's what I would do with BYU. It, historically, we weren't able to beat teams because we were better athletes, or we're fit, bigger, faster, or stronger. But we would act out-execute teams, and we would do things that were, especially with a, with a passing game, and that's why we were famous. And um, now uh, the schedule we have in Independence, it's even more so that we're not going to line up and run the plays from LSU and be bigger, stronger, faster than anybody. Now, people can argue and go, Steve, we're, you know, we're, we're right in there. We're, okay, fine. Let's not argue. Let's just say that fundamentally, foundationally over time, BYU is not going to be bigger, faster, or stronger than when we go play all the teams that we, we play in independence. So if that's the case, uh, how are we going to win? We're going to win on execution. And, uh, and we can out-execute anybody. And we can ask our players to uh, study more, turn off the TV on Thursdays and Fridays and memorize. It's exactly how the Patriots have found their edge. Why are the Patriots better than everybody? Because they've conditioned players to go home and study and actually memorize so that they can have you know, 15 wrinkles instead of three. They can have, you know, they don't adjust at halftime. They just bring out the other half of the playbook that they've studied and memorized over the last, you know, uh, uh, seven days. They can ask so much more of their players. And so we can do that for, that's our edge. And so we need to find an offense that is high on execution. And think about the ways that we scored last week. And I was so invested. I, I couldn't sleep for a couple hours after I was so invested in this game. <laughs> how, did we make our play, how did we make our plays? We, it was this execution, unique kind of – I don't think we have double reverse flea flickers every down. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is find an offense that we can use our execution expertise and not necessarily line up and just kind of pound at people. And, uh, and I think that they're going to – we're learning that. We're figuring out how to do that. And uh, I'm just I, – I, I can't help but at the end of the day feel excited – for what I'm not going to ignore, I'm going to ignore Toledo. I'm going to ignore USF. I'm just going to be excited about how we're finding how we're going to be great. And I think Kalani is growing into how to how to ask the players to be great and 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 live up to the schedule and actually start to threaten. Let's talk about the quarterback enough, situation. Enough. Oh, enough. No, no, enough let's keep me. going. You Stay on that couch. Get comfortable. Put a pillow behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the quarterback situation. So certainly Zach Wilson showed some real highlights, broke his thumb against Toledo. Jaron Hall uh, gets a concussion against uh, South Florida. In comes Baylor Romney and beats Boise State. I mean, it was great coaching. Now BYU has three capable quarterbacks waiting for Zach Wilson perhaps to get back at the end of the season. Bye week, Utah State next week. Uh, we've been talking all week, Steve, about Jaron Hall's probably the guy you start, uh, but Baylor Romney's certainly a capable backup. What do you think of the quarterback situation? Uh, we got some guys that can play. Now, uh, Baylor, was I loved it because he's the kind of guy that you call a play and he'll execute it. He'll, he'll, he won't disappoint you, you know, and, and, and there's a real skill in that. And I don't know, we have no idea how expansive he can be or the ceiling that he has, but a kid that just shows up, you call a play and he executes it is a real talent. And so I love that. I love that you get 
the full measure of the play calling. It makes, you know, play callers love quarterbacks like Baylor Romney because he's going he's gonna to run your play. He's not going to kind of devise something new in the huddle and go do it and the ball gets snapped and then you run, you know, three other plays that are not, are not part of the play call in the huddle. And I think there's a real talent there, and I'd love to see more of him. Uh, and Jaron, we just haven't seen. So I just look forward to seeing more of him and what he's capable of doing. But uh, what I love with Baylor is just, you know, uh, is, a, is unappreciated uh, by a lot of people. But uh, somebody that I, if I was a play caller and I thought I was better than most, I'd want a quarterback like that. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's get right to the heart of it. On a bye week after beating Boise State, Steve, Baylor Romney has that positive momentum. He's got the juju, the mojo, whatever you want to call it. Jaron Hall's trying to get healthy after that concussion, yet he is the clear backup, and coaches decided that based on spring football and thousands of reps. So who would you start to keep the momentum rolling against Utah State, a tricky game in Logan? I, I, you, I, 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 if it was me, I would play Baylor just because we've got some consistency. And the quarterback spot, you know, I grew up in an era with uh, Joe Montana and myself. We were thrown together. Bill Walsh would, you know, he would come in before the game and say, hey, Joe, Steve's going to play a half here. We, we'd be playing Monday night in Chicago. And, uh, and so I'm not worried about the feelings of the quarterbacks. That's the, there's not a toxic personality there. They'll work it out over time, and it'll all work out. But I think when you've got a guy that's playing okay and leading teams to big victories, Jerry hasn't played much, and so there's not that uh, sense that there's an earned spot. I would I'd stay with it. And then, but I would tell you, I'd say, look, if he sl- starts slow, he's coming out. You're playing. Like, <laughs> we won't make the switch. We won't, we won't make the switch on Tuesday because that just doesn't feel like the thing to do for the, for the mojo, like you said, like the mojo of the team. Like, we're going to keep this going. But everyone recognizes that you're warming up and you're going to take, you know, we'll, we'll give you 40% of the, of the snaps, give uh, Baylor 60, and Baylor's going to go play. And if he plays well, he's going to keep going. If he doesn't, you're, you're in there. And I think that's just, I'm not a, I, 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 we're too careful with quarterbacks. And, you know, as long as you don't have a toxic personality, which none of these guys are, you, you, it's not a problem. It puts people on edge. I call it creative tension. And the creative tension actually gets the most out of everybody. It got the most out of Joe and I, and, uh, and I have no problem saying things like that. Great stuff, Steve. Let's finish with this. Can anybody beat Kyle Van Noy and the New England Patriots in the NFL? No. What happened, and this is, a, this is the lesson for Kalani and for, for all BYU, for all of us, because we, we should have learned this a long time ago. Um, the way that the Patriots are great, and it was so evident on Monday night. I sat there with my, you know, on the sidelines watching this. The Patriots, everyone knows that as players, just lining up as, as, as athletes, they're not, they're not a cut above athletically. They're a cut above intellectually. They're cut above in, in strategy. And that strategy comes from the coaches who extend in a, in a game that's becoming more college-like. Now, follow me here. In the spring, you get a couple OTAs. In the summer, you get a little uh, summer camp. And it's very college-like. The amount of time that coaches and players are together in the pros today is very college-like. And because of that, they don't get the sophistication that they used to have. What have the Patriots done? They've leaned into that and demand players that show up in New England. You will turn the TV off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night. You will memorize three or four times as much as anyone in the league. And in doing that, we're going to be able to out-execute anybody. And if you build a, a, a culture over 20 years, and I've heard it from Tom, I've heard it from Randy Moss, I've heard it from Teddy Bruschi, anyone that was there, 
It is different. And what's happened is you see them out there, and they have these little wrinkles, and they have 10 of them. And they, they bring them out in the first quarter, in the second quarter. And Sam Darnold, what did he say? I, I'm, I'm seeing, seeing ghosts. ghosts. I'm seeing ghosts. You don't say that as a quarterback unless you really are. <laughs> you really, and I, I, think, I, think he literally, I think he literally was seeing ghosts. Because that's what – and everybody goes, well, that's what Bill Belichick does. No, it's because the culture of what he's built demand, and we have players – that we can do that, and they won't turn on us and say, oh, I'm not studying. And then you hold them accountable, and then it's, it's – uh, and that's our advantage. It was our advantage in 1975. It's our advantage in 1983. It's our advantage in 1990, and it's got to be our advantage in 2019. And we can ask our players to go and be like the Patriots and study and learn and have a 1,000 wrinkles, and we can out-execute anyone in the country, and we can make up for anything else that we lack. I'm not going to say we're – we're not bigger, faster, stronger. Don't worry about it. But if we do lack that, we're going to be able to make up for it. And, uh, and so that's how I would think about it. Steve Young, literally as a couch quarterback today, leading us to victory. Great to catch I, up with you, I, man. I, I, I needed this. I, guys, I needed this. this is, <laughs> I, I feel so much better. so much better. <laughs> hey, we're here for you. Let's do it again soon. Okay, guys. You got it, Go Steve. Young. You got it, Steve. Right, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First. You know why we show how. Always great to have Steve on. Oh, great man. insight. Yes. Great uh, opinions. He thinks start Baylor Romney. Fantastic. Coming up, Matt Bushman on what changed for the Cougars at halftime against Boise State. Was it throw him the ball more? And the Peter Quest for Perfection or Eagles of BYU Men's Golf. He's at it again. Did they win another tournament? This is BYU Sports Nation. Did he shoot an eagle? BYU Sports Nation is on demand by downloading the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play. And while there, subscribe, rate, and review. Omaha, let's whip it! Whoops! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around basketball. Former head coach Dave Rose is recovering from what doctors called a severe and major heart attack. According to his wife Cheryl, Rose suffered a heart attack Tuesday morning, and the good news is he is recovering well. Soccer. Fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer beat Portland 2-0 in the city of Roses last night. Elise Flake, game-winning goal in the 20th minute. 14th goal of the season. She's eighth on the all-time scoring list. Volleyball. Not bad. Number 12, women's volleyball plays at LMU tonight. 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on the West Coast Conference Network. LMU beat BYU last season at Gersten Pavilion in three. Golf. Fifth-ranked BYU men's golf. Finished second at the Pacific Invitational, shooting two under as a team. Rhett Rasmussen, cool, calm, collected fourth-place finish. Peter Quest, his buddy, tied for 10th. And the Quest machine had three eagles in the tournament. It's the ho-hum tournament for wow. Peter. Yeah. Tennis. Sean Hill won his second ITA regional championship yesterday. Congrats. He and his teammate Vero Melendez will play in the ITA National Fall Championships in two weeks. Gymnastics. Former BYU gymnast Ward Allen has become the team's newest volunteer coach. Allen, part of a BYU gymnastics team that had several top five finishes in the NCAA championships. I know Guard Young is really excited to have him back. Very cool. Coming up, the top five wins in the Satake era. And BYU junior tight end Matt Bushman off his best game as a Cougar. What changed between Tampa and coming home to Provo? We want to know all about it. This is BYU Sports Nation. From the ball more, that's what happened. Yeah. 100 yards. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU Radio and is on the podcast feed. It features some of the best conversations and interviews each week. I guarantee that the Steve Young conversation will be there on there and this conversation we're about to have. Yeah, you can also download the podcast to listen to the Steve Young conversation and, as Jerry mentioned, to listen to the man that we're about to welcome in. And we do so with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU junior tight end Matt Bushman had his first 100-yard receiving game and first multi-touchdown game all against Boise State and a monumental win in Provo over the then 14th ranked Broncos. Why did, Matt, why did it take two and a half years to get this? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. It took way too long, but it happened, which was awesome. Um, are, are you, have you come down from the high of that win? That was a big win. Yeah, I mean, we watched the film on Monday. Coaches always say once we watch the film and everything, just to forget about it, get ready for the next uh, next game. So it definitely felt good. Get that win, get everyone happy again, get everyone motivated, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can get the second half of the season rolling. What was different about the preparation that led to different execution against Boise State that we didn't see the previous two games? Um, just the decision, I think, to be more aggressive. Uh, we had, I mean, even though we had a lot of injuries, offensive line, we had some new guys starting on the offensive line, uh, obviously a new quarterback. We still weren't, uh, we weren't worried that we couldn't like, be aggressive. I mean, it was one of the weirdest weather situations also to throw the ball, but we were still slinging it and taking shots when uh, people weren't expecting us to. So just that aggressiveness. You have your first 100-yard game and two-touchdown game after the deluge mm-hmm. pregame, right? When you came out and warmed up, did you think, oh, this is going to be a long night? Because that was weird, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of us were running around. We had the normal gloves on. The balls were soaking wet. We were like, holy cow, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm but, definitely going to have 100 yards tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to run every single play. Um, but no, I mean, we, we weren't worried. We just decided to have fun with it and just enjoy the experience. Matt Bushman with us on BYU Sports Nation. Matt, you and I talked after the game against USF in Tampa, and there were some understandable frustrations about a lot of things. But sometimes adversity can kind of bring this rise from the ashes mentality. What changed mentally for you and your team after what felt like rock bottom to then beating Boise State? Well, I feel like when you come off of a – I mean, that was our third game losing – Everyone is frustrated. Everyone wants to find solutions. Um, everyone's just, just, you're just angry. You just want to win. And I mean, those were games that we, I mean, Toledo and USF were games that we definitely could have won and should have won. And then I think it just kind of showed the, the teams, um, the culture that we have, just, okay, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of teams are like, okay, we're done for, the season's over. Let's just forget about it. Let's, let's not prepare. Let's we're playing an undefeated Boise State team. But instead of having that mentality, we were just like, all right, let's do this thing. This is a rival. This is a, this is a, big, this is a big time game, and this is a big time win that we could have. So just, it just shows the, that we didn't give up. We're, we're not, even though we had lost those games, we're not worried. We still had a lot of football to play, and uh, we're excited for the rest of the season. How do you justify the, the wins with the losses? Because it's like, wait, these are three really good wins. And then there's some weird losses in there. So how do you kind of balance and avoid the uh, kind of two-faced nature of what the season has been so far? Yeah, it's been really weird. It's like, how are, we, how are we winning these games? But how the heck are we also losing to some of these teams? Um, and not to talk bad about them. I mean, they, they came out to play and they, they beat us. But I think 
it just shows that we have potential. And if we prepare the right way and we, we come out with uh, the, the energy and excitement that we can have, and if we just play aggressive on offense and defense, um, we, can, we can play with anyone. Um, when we don't turn the ball over a lot, it shows that we win. Zero and, turnovers and all yeah. three wins, right? And when our defense gets turnovers, that really helps us too. So those are some big things that we should really focus on. How do you maintain the momentum through a bye week, knowing that another rival who has beaten BYU two times in a row and three out of the last five awaits on their home field? Well, I just think we just kind of have to have that same mentality that we did coming up against Boise. They're, Utah State's a really good team. They, they're really confident. Their quarterback is one of the best in the country, and he's not going to shy away from any opponent. So we have to expect their offense to score points, and that just shows that our offense has to be just as aggressive, if not more, so that we can compete with these guys and uh, just take shots. And have, I mean, we're all excited. Um, there's that wagon wheel tradition. We want that wagon wheel back at BYU, and um, no one on the team is, is going to shy away from this one. It's heavy. I'm looking forward to you guys lifting that up. It's really heavy. We had it in here a couple of years ago. I was like shocked by the, uh, by the weight there. What was Baylor Romney like on the sidelines and on the field? Because it seems like this guy, in a good way, doesn't have a pulse sometimes where he's just like very in the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, he's very mild-mannered. But when he, you could just see the excitement that he had. I mean, yeah, there's going to be nerves. He was in, like I said, the weather was crazy. He was probably thinking like, how the heck am I going to throw this football to, to my guys? <laughs> But we all trusted him, and yeah, I think you can be nervous if it's your first college start. You can be nervous in any football game, but you just have to let those nerves drive you in the right direction and kind of push you to be better, and I think he did that. He, he stepped up to the, to the occasion and, and did really well. So yeah, he's not going to be a super cocky, rah-rah type guy, but he still demands what a quarterback needs, and he has those qualities, so... Um, yeah, we really like him at, at quarterback. I want to talk about some national attention that you're getting here in just a moment, but let's follow up with the Baylor-Romney conversation. What's the challenge like of preparing to play with a quarterback that at this point you're not really sure who it's going to be? Is it going to be Baylor-Romney or is it going to be Jaron Hall, knowing that Utah State awaits? I think just some things you're all off season. you don't really know. I mean, you kind of expect, we kind of expected to have Zach at quarterback and you're trying to build that chemistry with him and and just the timing of routes and just get him that trust. And I think that was built up with a lot of the receivers, but injuries happen. We have, we've had three different quarterbacks this season. And once the new guys come in, the, the timing is just a little off. The chemistry is a little off. Um, so you just have to work really hard on, on getting those routes down and practice just so that he, can, he knows where we're going to be in certain situations. And uh, the biggest thing for tight ends and receivers is just to – get as open as we can for him so he can he can throw the ball up. So if that timing isn't perfect, there's still going to be room for us to to make the play and come down with the catch. And the timing was perfect on two passes uh, to you. Let's talk through both those. First, the fourth and one. So when you get that play call, at what point in that play do you realize this is going to work? I think from the start, once we, once we installed that play, um, I don't know if it was ex- just from Boise State, but they – they actually, we got that play from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny that we kind of reversed roles with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boise State. Stated Boise State. But once we saw, like, a fourth and short situation, the defense is going to be super condensed and their, their safeties are going to play, like, super low. So I just knew once I saw them line up like that, 
I mean, our whole team was super excited um, about it. We weren't really nervous, worried that it wasn't gonna ha- wasn't gonna work. So once I just saw, I like faked that little run, and they they faked the fumble pretty well. Um, I just saw green grass and no one around me, so I almost celebrated a little too early. <laughs> you did lift the ball like <laughs> the yeah. three, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I kind of had that. I've watched videos of those players that <laughs> dropped the ball at the at the one and they return it for a touchdown. So I was like, okay, I can't I can't celebrate yet. <laughs> um, there's a, there's just a lot of excitement. So yeah. Yeah. and then the 39 yarder. So that's a that's a reverse pass. Mm-hmm. That that ball was a little low. You had to kind of come back and get it, but it worked. Right? Yeah, I mean those those type of plays. The ball's in the air for so long. You know, there's no one around you, so it's like if you drop it, you are you're done for. <laughs> um, it's going to be one of the most embarrassing plays. So you just have to have that extra focus. And I didn't want to catch it with my body or like fall to the ground because I knew that number 28 was running after me. So. I just tried to grab it with my fingertips and start running as fast as I could, and they play, and, they, they worked. And then you land, and you just kind of linger for a second. Oh, you shook it. You Enjoy just took it in. That Enjoy was fun. I just had to take it in. Yeah. I was in the mud. Like, somehow there was just mud at the side of the, <laughs> side of the end zone. Just laid in it for a minute. That was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Matt, we'll finish with this. Uh, John Mackey, National Tight End of the Week. What does a recognition like that mean to you? Um, it's It's cool recognition, but for me it's like – I don't know. I'm just I'm just focused on trying to get better each week, trying to help my help this team win and um, win out the rest of the season. So I think a lot of players on the team is like recognition. It's it's cool and everything, but you want to have winning seasons and you want to. I mean, right now we want to make it to a bowl game, so that's our that's our main focus. You also won the BYUSN National Tight End of the Week. So yeah. congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Congrats. Bigger this, honor. This just in. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, let's give you some karma moving forward. Thanks for coming in, man. Thank you. I hey. appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Okay, coming up, a special Rise and Shout. And the top five wins in order in the Kalani Satake era. This is BYU Sports Nation. The voice of State make it. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. Jerem Jordan here in Studio B. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. So it's also available on demand anytime via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Okay, you've been waiting. Top five wins in the Kalani Satake era. Where does Boise State rank in that top five? We put together the list presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Let's count it down, starting at number five. And we go to Idaho, the Potato Bowl. Western Michigan in at number five because of when this game happened, the offseason that set up, and it proved it. Hey, Zach Wilson is a gamer. He's the guy. BYU finishes with a winning record because of this win. Yeah, this was, uh, this was a nice way to end the season. Zach Wilson goes perfect 18 for 18. BYU actually trailed at the half of this game. It's major adjustments. Comes out in the second half. Boom, seven-yarder. To Aleva Hifo, BYU was on a tear in this game. 42 unanswered points. That's incredible. Great, great win to end the season. No one cared that it was Western Michigan. Just a reminder about that. All right, in at number four, Jeremy, what do we have? At Michigan State 2016, this was a Michigan State team that had gone to the college football semifinal the year before. BYU goes there with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, and bang, 17-point win against Sparty. That was a big win. Michigan State ended up stinking. Four wins, three wins, something like that. They were 2-1 and one when BYU beat them. But you go there, Big Ten, Michigan State, that's a big win. That's a big win. That's like the Tennessee win this year, right? But even more because Michigan State had gone to the college football playoffs. Yes, defending Big Ten champions for crying out loud. Right. At number three, this season, 
BYU at home against USC. Peyton Wilgar, huge interception to kick things off and really get the momentum rolling in BYU's favor, setting up Zach Wilson and company for the first real home signature win for Kalani Satake. This is a big win. At this point, BYU's 2-1. It's a team with like 44 stars. BYU has like three or something. This was an upset. This was Sky Cam. This was a field storm. This was awesome. Let's move to number two. Boise State 2019. We think the win BYU just had was really big in terms of what it means for BYU season, Kalani Satake, and so on. A 28-25 upset win over number 14 Boise State, which, by the way, I believe is the biggest uh, win in terms of a ranking, top 14 and in, since 97. Oh, yeah. At home. How there's, about that? There's a real argument that this could eventually be the top win, depending on where Boise State finishes this season. We'll see, this if, could be the only loss the Broncos if, have. If they're in the New Year's Six, you can make that this argument, This would be right? the number one. Yeah. As it stands, number one is, rewind to 2018, at Wisconsin. Moroni from a Levihifo trick play. That's the image. BYU out physical the Badgers in Camp Randall 24-21. So good. This win was huge. Top 10 win, 41-game home, non-conference win streak for Wisconsin. And BYU takes down the bet. Oh, Squally Canada was fantastic. BYU gets it done against a top 10 team on the road. Today's rise and shout out now. And a combined effort here, Jeremy, as we go back to BYU basketball. We're thinking of Dave Rose and his wife, Cheryl, and their entire family after he Absolutely. suffered a severe heart attack. Really scary situation. We're so glad that he is doing well and that he's still with us. Amen to that. That's a really scary situation. It's, he's already had a scary situation with uh, cancer, and now he has a heart attack. Luckily, he's recovering well. Oh, that guy is a survivor for sure. Absolutely. Holy cow. Our question of the day, what's the best win in the Kalani Satake era of BYU football and why? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Keith and Tracy Jackman answer on Facebook. I vote outside the box and say Kalani's first game against Arizona okay. ended in great fashion, set the stage for his tenure as coach. There you go. Dramatic win. <coughs> okay, yeah. Sergeant Dennis Pitt. I ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. Thanks to our guests today, Steve Young, Matt Bushman. Download the podcast for Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to Blaine Fowler.